The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Episode 21 of Cruel Summer, our look back at each and every G1 Climax Tournament Finals from the years 1991 to 2018. My name is W.H. Park. I'm the co-host of the Post Perez monthly review, monthly, not review show, monthly news show covering all the happenings of Japanese pro wrestling uh, with John Pollock. And uh, joining me today, I'm very excited to talk with uh, my co-host on this episode. He is the co-host of another show, the NXT Review Show at ProSourcing.com. Up next, he's the co-host that doesn't persistently annoy me all the time. It's Davey Portman. Hello, Davey. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. I'm not too bad. How are you today? I'm good because I'm not talking to your roommate. <laughs> that, that's, that's a positive. That's a positive. He's sleeping right now. So Now, have you listened to his episode of Krill Summer, Davey? I've listened to about half of it. Um, I, where it feels like he's trying his best to do anything but talk about the match he was meant to review. Well, that and and trying to get me to send him a care package, which you know has to include uh, strong zeros, which I am not going to do because I'm You're not, not I'm not going to risk a carbonated alcoholic drink in my luggage. You know, like a transit. That's fair. That's a fair. Flight. It's not going to happen, and I I don't know if I'd be able to like ship this shit in a box without exploding either you know so for sure it's not happening thankfully you don't you know per, uh, you know you know you know pester me about shit like this thankfully but is is he always like this davy your ruby brain harrington uh yeah pretty much he's uh he's always going on about either getting some kind of drink or weed or food or something <laughs> Uh, what I want to know is, are you going to be bringing a kendo stick to the tailgate we're hosting? Why am I bringing a kendo stick? Oh, have you not heard? No. Um, Braden made the mistake of saying he will charge $10 uh, to give someone the opportunity to hit him once with a kendo stick. But, sure. it's, but it's BYOK. So we're not I, providing uh, a kendo stick, I, but if you happen to bring one with you... Ten dollars, you can you can smack him over the back with it. So the presumption is is that I would want to hit him with a kendo stick. I mean, I think the presumption is everyone would want to, and it, it only really takes one person to bring it. We can share it around. That's that's a good point. Like maybe maybe we can get your buddy Scrump to bring one in from uh, ProWrestlingKeys.com. I'm sure they sell some kendo sticks online, signed by the Sandman or or someone or For other. Sure. You know, absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, so anyways, let's stop talking about your roommate. Let's talk about Davey Portman. I want to yeah. know a bit of a br- brief bio from you about uh, your your start as a fan of professional wrestling, your how you got into watching Japanese professional wrestling, in, in particular, 
uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, and briefly, how, how did you get hooked up with uh, our good friend Braden Harrington on Up Next? For sure. Well, um, I started watching, I guess, around 1999. I think that's when my family first got Sky. Uh, and I remember going into the living room and my brother was watching it. And it was the whole Undertaker, Vince McMahon, Austin, greater power story. And I was just like, what the hell is this? What's going on? And was pretty much hooked from then on. Would watch SmackDown every Saturday morning. Uh, is when it aired in the UK. And um, yeah, it was hooked for a good few years. And then I'd say I tailed off around 2004, like I think when JBL became champion, I sort of just lost interest and going to other things and was uh, like deep into secondary school at that time. Um, and then I picked it back up. Uh, it would have been around this time, actually, like 2011, when uh, The Rock returned, because Twitter was starting to be a thing around then, and uh, The Rock wasn't quite the name he is now. Like, he was making movies, but he wasn't like this this mega, mega star he is today. And I was just on the computers at uh, my drama school and saw The Rock was trending. I was like, what's that all about? And I see he's returned to Raw, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And sort of semi picked it back up again. And then it was the guys like uh, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk that uh, made me stick around. It's like, okay, there's some interesting new guys here and there's some cool stuff going on. Um, so that's really my like sort of WWE story. But as far as uh, New Japan's concerned, I, I started watching uh, just Wrestle Kingdom really. And it was with... The first time they did English commentary, I think Jeff Jarrett had the Global Force Wrestling and they they did like a co-event thing where they were basically uh, going to show the that uh, Wrestle Kingdom in English. So I thought, oh, this is a good time to like hop on and see what it's all about. Um, this would have been the year, I believe it was Kota Ibushi, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, and would it have been Tanahashi Okada? Was that the main? I, I, I'd have to look that up. 2011? Uh, Phil, it would have been uh, 2011, 2000. No, a bit later than that. Okay. Um, That's the one where Jim Ross is doing the commentary. Yeah, it was definitely Kotrobushi Nakamura. Um, then I can't. It's uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12. And I right. looked that up. That's January 4th, uh, 2018. So a couple of years ago. No, that's not. 2018 it wasn't 2018 was it no it's no it's before then it's before then uh, uh let me see what the matches are not the one with uh jared wrestle kingdom nine i believe it's wrestle kingdom nine okay, yeah hold on a sec. Let me i mean it had ishii togi makabe maybe as well i remember that match uh like okay i'm i'm firing up wrestle kingdom nine see this is if this was the wrestle kingdom show i'd be quite embarrassed but it's like, not yeah, so <laughs> it was uh aj styles naito shinsuke nakamura kota Ibushi, hiroshi tanahashi against okada yes yeah um yeah yeah that's that was a good show it's a very it good was show. and that um that was sort of my introduction to new japan wrestling and i started watching just the just wrestle kingdom pretty much every year and then started getting into watching the G1 and best of the super juniors. And 
now I try and watch the big events as much as I can. Who who on that show really captured your imagination that you weren't aware of before you watched uh, this particular Wrestle Kingdom? You know what? It's weird. The match that really stands out, like Nakamura Ibushi was by far my favorite match of the night. I thought that was fantastic. And Nakamura, I sort of heard rumblings about, but never really seen. So to actually see was really cool because he was so different from everything else on the show. But a match that really sticks with me is the Makabe Ishii match, just because I'd never really seen like big, thick guys wrestle in that way. I'm just used to the WWE style and just to watch these two big guys just hit the uh, kick and hit the shit out of each other was like quite different to me. Um, so yeah, I really like the variety of the show. Um, the, a load of the junior heavyweight tag teams I'd seen like the young bucks and red dragon and stuff. I'd seen a bunch in like UK indie shows and things. So it was just a real like, variety of different styles of wrestling that i hadn't really seen on one show before Mm -hmm. and how how would you say like you got involved with brayden harrington on up next so that's funny because i actually i listened to uh the law before i moved to canada um and basically i'm a i'm an actor as well i went to drama school i've i was working professionally for a good few years before i moved to canada Um, and one of the things I wanted to get into over here was improv because I knew, uh, improv's pretty big in Toronto. You've got second city, you've got, uh, bad dog and comedy bar, and there's a lot of stuff going on here, uh, in regards to improvisation. And I figured that would be a great way to, uh, a keep up with, uh, acting and B meet some new people. So I started taking improv classes over here and listening to the law. And then uh, Jason Agnew uh, announced his two-strike show that he was doing uh, involving wrestling. So it would have been Rumble Strikes, I guess, that year um, before the Royal Rumble. So I figured, you know what? Improvisation and wrestling, that's both things I really like. Why not go along? And I couldn't find anyone to go with, so I went on my own. I'd had a few bevies before going, and I saw, uh, like... John Pollock was there and I think I offered him a drink and he was like, no, I'm good, but Braden will have one. And the rest of the they say is history. I remember like uh, when, you know, like post wrestling started and Braden was doing up next, not with you, but with uh, bartender Dave. For sure. And then bartender Dave, you know, left for whatever reason. I'm not exactly sure what happened there, but you don't have to get into that. But then like Braden said, I got a special guest, uh, this guy, Davey Portman. You called in before because you were at a takeover event, and I'm like, "Oh, this guy sounds all right. Who's this guy?" And then I thought, "Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good on the show." This is like your the first time you were on the show, and then you just became the permanent co-host. What wasn't like the week after? Yeah, so it was. Um, Dave left when I was in New Orleans to watch uh, to to actually go to WrestleMania. And Braden messaged me just going, look, I I need to get a show up and I don't have a co-host. You are at the event. Do you mind, uh, do you mind calling in and just doing a show with me? And we're, we're very good mates. We've got a a really good rapport, I think. And it's, it's very easy chatting to each other and getting, especially talking about something we love like wrestling. So I think the show went pretty well. And um, realized they needed a new co-host to, keep up next going 
and it was just basically mine after that so i think the next week was the hangover show which we just decided to not put anything out and then see what was going on and then yeah i've been doing the show since then yeah and like again the rest is history i i think you know no offense to dave but i think you and brain have a much better on-air chemistry i think probably stemming from your your real life you know bff chemistry in in uh, in reality in in the real world would you say that's would, would you say that's an accurate assessment david for sure i mean I, i'd say we've got a lot more in common we're we're a similar age we we're into the same kind of things but I think we have uh, a lot of uh, different opinions about certain things as well, which is is always good when reviewing because we're not always. Um, I mean, NXT is very easy to sing the praises about everything going on, but our tastes aren't always the same. So I think that always helps because you don't want two people just being the whole time. This was fantastic. This was fantastic. This was awful. Um, so I, I think we know how to push each other's buttons in the right way to to like keep it entertaining and insightful i like to think okay well hopefully you and i will have a a similar chemistry this would be our second time talking we i i appeared on one of your movie review shows the the raid redemption but that was like the three of us so i'm hoping we you and i will have a, a similar chemistry just a one-on-one conversation here on uh cruel summer davy so let, let's get into the episode let's talk about the g1 climax from 2011 it was a two block 20-man round-robin tournament held from August 1st until August 14th. And this was the first G1 that really expanded from, say, a 14-man or 16-man to 18-man to the 20-man tournament that we kind of are accustomed to nowadays. And in the A block, let's talk about our participants in the tournament as a whole. We have Tetsuya Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Yoshihiro Takayama, Togi Makabe, Giant Bernard, Toriano, Yuji Nagata, Lance Archer, Yujiro Takahashi, and Hideo Saito. And just from that A block alone, what what's your impression of this particular G one? Um, it's pretty. It's a lot of names we still see. Um, and it's yeah. I mean, I think anytime you have Naito and Tanahashi in the same block, it's it's interesting because two big names. I just looking at the whole thing, uh, block B included. There's there's a lot of sort of uh, future WWE, ex-WWE uh, in this, like Giant Bernard. I never, I only know him. That's Albert, right? Yes. Be Matt Bloom um, now. Like the Matt trainer. Bloom, A-Train, Tenzai, whatever you want to call him. Um, I, apparently he did some pretty good stuff in New Japan and I, I've never seen any of it, but uh, that just interests, interests me. Seeing someone like Albert who, never really got over in WWE being in one of these big tournaments. Yeah. I mean, Giant Bernard was like, you know, he, you know, Matt Bloom left the WWE, WWF. He came over to Japan. He, he started working primarily for all Japan at first. And then he jumped over to, to new Japan and he was teaming with Tom Coe for a long time. And then Tom Coe left. And then Carl uh, Anderson, who had been in the LA dojo kind of like was paired with them and they became a really good tag team bad intentions and I, i'm gonna say for my money that was probably carl anderson's better tag team much better than oh, really but much better than than the team he has with doc gallows because i just think doc gallows is a piece of shit like he's horrible <laughs> in the ring like I'm, I'm sure he's a nice guy and everything i don't know but like as a wrestler he's shit like he's just horrible and he and he's got the worst leather pants in the history of wrestling like even worse than bad luck Fale. and that's saying something from coming from me but you're talking about the b block 
let's let's why don't you run down the B block for us, Davey? Sure. So we've got Shinsuke Nakamura, Satoshi Kojima, Minoru Suzuki, MVP, Hiroki Goto, Carl Anderson, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, La Sombra, Wataru Ino, and Strongman. Yeah, it would be Wataru Inoue. Inoue, And right. La Sombra is one of your favorites. Yes, that's Andrade, isn't it? It is. It's Andrade Cien Almas. I, I refuse to drop the Cien Almas because I think that sounds way better than just simply Andrade. Me but... too. And Gargano v. Almas and Chill sounds well way better than Gargano and Andre, uh, Andrade. You see, it's a tongue twister. Yeah, or you could say, you could use his lucha name. You could like say uh, Gargano and uh, Sombra and Chill. Yeah. That's a new shirt. Put up on uh, your, uh, your, your, your Pro Wrestling Tea store there, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, very eclectic uh, field of participants in the 2011 G1. Uh, of course, we're going to only talk about the finals, and uh, which would be Tetsuya Naito and Shinsuke Nakamura. And let's talk about each man's path to the finals. So for Naito, in the round-robin portion, he beats Lance Archer, he beats Giant Bernard, he beats Saito, uh, Takayama, Tanahashi, and Yano. Uh, his losses come at the hands of Togi Makabe, Yuji Nagata, and uh, his former tag team partner, uh, Yujiro. Uh, for Nakamura, he beats Carl Anderson, Inoue, Kojima, Sombra, Strongman, Suzuki, and Tenzan. He, his only losses are to Hiroki Goto and MVP. And have you ever seen MVP stuff in New Japan? I haven't, no. Uh, it's not really worth uh, talking about, to be quite honest with you. Oh. <laughs> you set me up to be like, it's really good. You should check it out. No, he was, he was okay. Like there, there are th- there are points in his run that, that that are okay, but overall, I thought he was very underwhelming. I don't say he was bad; he's just underwhelming. Like he really didn't do anything for me, which is funny because I thought he really brought this kind of form of strong style because he was a big fan of Japanese wrestling. Mm. Uh, when he when he was in the WWF, WB, like he he really worked a really kind of hard style, especially the matches he would have with, say, like Chris Benoit. They they really did a really really sure. strong style. So you know it's really surprising when he didn't really impress as much when he's actually working in Japan. So so that's our our uh, our finalists Naito and Nakamura. There were no semifinals this year, and from this point on, we wouldn't see semifinals play a part in the you know in leading up to the finals for the G one. So let let's go to Sumo Hall here on Jan- August fourteenth. And uh, we start the video, and we see Shinsuke Nakamura coming out to his uh, his better theme song, uh, Subconscious. And which theme song are you a fan of? His WWE one or his New Japan one, Davey? I'm more familiar with his WWE one just because I've watched it more consistently. Um, I think both are, both are pretty catchy. Uh, I was just surprised to watch... Now, I don't know quite where... Uh, both these guys are at this point in their careers because, as I mentioned, I started watching uh, from Wrestle Kingdom 9, which would have been a couple of years after this. And at that point, Nakamura had the really extravagant entrances and was doing all the all the kind of moves he uses in his entrances today. It was quite interesting to see him just come out and didn't really pose. He pretty much just walked to the ring. I thought both guys actually looked pretty nervous going into this match and it was giving it that kind of more like a sports feel like both of these men are focused. They're not 
really playing to the crowds much. They're just like focusing on the ring and their opponent. Yeah, I think this is the period before like Nakamura gets into his full like what I called his coked out Michael Jackson face. Exactly. And he's still cut rather subdued in the way he presents himself. The the gear is there, like the the leather vest, the the yes. leather pants and the studded wristbands. Like that's all there, which would become like his signature look which would evolve over over the years to when he leaves New Japan and goes to the WWE. But um I definitely think like I don't necessarily think for him he's nervous. I think he's just cuz he's been in the G1 several times. He's been in the finals. I think just for him it's not I think he's kind of like thinking where am I going to take myself, my personality, my character because it's still kind of like the savior of New Japan, the savior of Strong Style. This is before he comes becomes the king of Strong Style, right? So like he's still finding right. himself, I feel. Uh, and then we'll we'll, cut, we'll talk about Naito. He comes out second and he comes out to his uh, signature theme song which is called Stardust. And as far as Naito goes, this is before he goes to Mexico and he joins Los Ingobernables in Mexico and before he becomes his Tranquilo character. So at this point, he's still known as uh, the Stardust Genius, which is a character I was never really a big fan of. So like before Los Ingobernables de Japón, like I, I was not a Naito fan. I would bury him incessantly on every episode of Japanese art wrestling that I would do with Chris Charlton and later with Joe Jeremy. I was like, I hate Naito. I hate Naito. I hate Naito. Now I like Naito. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Naito, but I do like him. I enjoy his matches. I enjoy the character and I, I enjoy the look. I think he's improved in all aspects of his game. Uh, what do you think about his look as Stardust Genius in, in this match compared to like 2019 version of Tetsuya Naito? just a bit bland like doesn't really look like a star at this point um like his tights don't look as like high quality as they are now um it yeah just just doesn't quite click for me no it never did for me and definitely the hair it's way better now you know he's able to cover up that like receding hairline that you could even see in 2011 so good good for him for like just getting like uh, a, a puffy haircut to like just you know Hide the fact that he is going to go bald any year now. You know what I'm saying, David? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, like, that, we're in the minority because, like, at the start of this match, there's a huge Naito call from all the fans in the building. And the match starts with uh, a lot of grappling between the two of them. Uh, at some point, Naito is going to, is going to, looks like he's going to be put in a rear naked choke by Nakamura, but he's able to reach the ropes. But instead of breaking clean, Nakamura just stands up and starts kicking him at the back of the back of his head. I'm just thinking, what an asshole at this point. So really a, kind of a really mean streak version of Nakamura. Yeah. I love the start to this match. Just, um, it feels more like a real competitive sport. Like neither really wants to open themselves up too much to get taken down. And then, yeah, as you said, Nakamura eventually gets him down and just starts being a bit of a dick and pounding down on him. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the start to this match. Yeah, and the the announcers, uh, the Japanese commentators are making a point about how they feel like Nakamura is treating uh, Naito like a kohai, uh, which means like his like his junior, his kind of like apprentice, someone underneath him in the pecking order. Uh, are you familiar with right. the idea of senpai and kohai, Davey? No. Okay, so senpai means senior, and kohai means right. junior, and it's kind of ranking system that you find in all aspects of Japanese culture, in sports teams, in uh, you know, in, in corporate settings, in any kind of 
you know, work setting uh, in, in schools. Like, so the, you know, the, the freshman is the Kohai and the, the senior is the, the Senpai. So like, it's kind of more meant to be like kind of a mentor, but it can, you know, take a kind of a dark turn and become kind of like, you know, the, the older person or the senior person kind of be, you know, abusing their power or stature right. in the relationship. And that's kind of what they're kind of explaining here that he's treating him, that Nakamura is treating Naito, not as an equal, not as a peer, but still as his junior because Naito came into the company after Tanahashi, after Nakamura. So he's beneath him, sort of in the pecking order, even though he's now being elevated to this position where he's headlining the finals of the G1 Climax with him. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that I felt, for me, added like this other dimension to the match that they're, and story that they're telling here. Uh, Naito... Uh, 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 shoots Nakamura to the ropes. He does a leapfrog. He does a drop down. Then he hits him with a big, beautiful drop kick, uh, which he follows up with uh, a, a flipping senton, one of his signature moves. Uh, Naito, at, 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 after that, uh, drop kicks Nakamura off the apron and follows with a whip to the barrier, which uh, Nakamura reverses. Uh, Naito hits the guardrail really hard with, with his back. And then, <laughs> beautiful. What happened next is absolutely beautiful. Nakamura follows up with this great-looking flying knee to the to Naito's back that sends him spilling into the front row. And really, I felt really early on that this match is just taken to like the second gear, Davy. Yeah, absolutely. It went from, as I said, trying to just wrestle each other at the beginning, and now it's uh, getting a lot more brutal and hard hitting. Um, yeah, and the crowd are the crowd are really hot throughout this whole thing. Yeah, and then from from there, Nakamura is able to keep control of the match. He drapes Naito on the apron and delivers one of his big knee lifts, which is a signature like weapon in Nakamura's uh, arsenal. Uh, Nakamura uh, dominates Naito with repeated attacks to his neck and knees to his chest. Uh, Naito fires back with a swinging neck neckbreaker. Uh, from this point, a strike exchange ensues that uh, Nakamura wins with his uh, big knee strikes again. You know, like one thing about Nakamura, these knee strikes, is that I, I wrote down like that his long legs, I think, make these so effective because he can just cover a larger area of his opponent's like body. And I think because his legs are so long, they, they, they that adds power to like the impact of his knee lift, David. Yeah, completely. I think that uh, I've always thought this about Nakamura and Matt Riddle has the same sort of thing. His kicks just look so different from everyone else's. And I think it is the, the length of the legs uh, just make the strikes look so clean and powerful. Yeah. And from uh, at this point, uh, Naito is whipped into the corner, uh, but he jumps over the top rope as Nakamura follows him into the corner. Uh, he hits Nakamura with a beautiful leg sweep and then hits Nakamura in the face with a beautiful Springboard missile dropkick. And it's something you don't really see in 2018-2019, Naito, is like this kind of really aerial attack that he was more known for in like, you know, like in 2010-2011. Right. Um, he follows that up with this beautiful knee crusher where he just like lifts Nakamura up in the air with one with one leg folded and then just rams his knee into his leg. Uh, he follows up with a seated drop kick and a missile drop kick all to Nakamura's left knee, which is his main uh, f- offensive weapon. So like Naito's really doing a smart thing. He's like thinking, okay, these knee lifts suck. They fucking hurt. So I'm going to take away, uh, I'm gonna take them away from Nakamura by like damaging the, 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 the knee that he uses to attack me with. So really smart part on, uh, on Naito here. Yeah. And, I don't speak a lick of Japanese, but I could tell at this point in the match, the commentary were going, 
Uh, Naito's trying to take out his legs because if Nakamura doesn't have his legs, he can't hit the Bumaye and then can't win the match. I'm pretty sure that's what they were saying, even though I don't speak a word of Japanese. Well, I think your your Japanese understanding is probably a lot better than Braden's. He would have just said sharpshooter or something like Strong that. Zero. Strong Zero, <laughs> sharpshooter. That's what they're saying. Uh, from here, Naito applies uh, what looks like a key lock on the damaged left knee, but Nakamura is able to get to the ropes. Uh, Naito continues his attack on the knee. Uh, Nakamura is able to regain control by uh, placing Naito on the top rope and hitting punches to the uh, breadbasket, and he follows up with a massive knee to the guts. That's got to suck. And from there, Naito is on the mat, and Nakamura lands repeated grounded knees to his body. You know, I think it would be really interesting to see actually see this version of Shinsuke Nakamura in the WWE. I think he would have had a, a longer, like, sustained push if we were able to see this version of him. Any version of Nakamura in WWE, come on, just like they've completely... Uh, what is it they have dropped the ball with him or he's dropped the ball with himself? Like, it just hasn't clicked anything with him in WWE, which is such a shame because you uh, you watch a lot of these New Japan matches and there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be at the top of every card, I feel. I mean, when... when you- when you're going from like headlining mania and then like the end result is like just like the, the, the main thrust of your character is that you're just, you know, punching a dude in the dick. Like, you know, I, I, I can see where he's like, okay, I, I could do more, but that's my, my, my gimmick now is like, I low blow AJ Styles all the time. I can see where that's just like for him, <sighs> just kind of gives up maybe, but also like yeah. they, they, they never sustained a push with him beyond that WrestleMania main event. I, like, he's lucky to have gotten that, at least, I feel. But so so much lost potential. But that's the WB, isn't it? It's lost potential yeah. and all these talents that they have. Anyways, getting back to the match, we see Nakamura deliver an inverted power slam from the top rope. And from here, Nilo just looks completely out of it, Davey. Uh, and this, at this point, Nakamura signals from the Bomaye. And... Uh, from, like Naito is able to block the Bomae because he hits a drop kick to the back uh, of the D, and uh, from here Naito flips out of a German suplex, hits a flying shoulder tackle, and gets Nakamura in uh, what did I write here in a German suplex with a bridge for one, two, two point five. So I feel now we're now ramping up to into gear three of the match, Davey. Completely. These um, there's a lot of these near falls coming up and. Both guys are so good at kicking out at like the the point ninth of the second. Um, yeah, it it really amps up here. That that bridging suplex looked beautiful. Um, I'm loving all the attacks to Nakamura's knee. That missile drop kick earlier in the match. I don't think I've ever seen that. The missile drop kick from the top rope. You're so used to them just aiming for the head or the chest, but he floated down just to target that knee. Um, a real, a real clear story being told in this match with, as you said, Nakamura being the kemp, Kempai, did you say? Senpai. Senpai. Um, and the story of the, the constant attack to his legs by Naito. Um, and the, as I said earlier, the crowd are just so into this match as well, just getting very loud at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from that German suplex, Naito goes for another German suplex for a two and a half count. Uh, Nakamura breaks out of a dragon suplex attempt 
and goes for uh, goes for a kick, but Naito uh, catches him, hoists him on his shoulders, and gives him a kind of inverted Death Valley driver. How would you describe this move, Davey? The sorry, where are we at? So he's got Nakamura. Naito's got Nakamura on his shoulders, like in a fireman carry. Right. And from here, you would think he's going to do like he's going to drive like he's going to tilt towards Nakamura's head position and do a Death Valley driver. But he goes the other way where he's like he swings towards where Nakamura's. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember. Yeah. How would you describe that? It was kind of like um, it was almost like Dreams Rolling DVD, but the other way, wasn't it? Like in reverse. Yeah. So I guess it's accurate to say it's an inverted yeah, driver. Sure. There you go. Uh, from here, Naito goes for a, a startup press, but he misses. Uh, Nakamura gets up and fucking nails Naito with a boy to the back of the head. This was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, from here, there's another strike exchange between the two. At some point, Naito slaps Nakamura uh, so hard that he pisses him off, like visually pisses Nakamura off. Uh, <laughs> he catches uh, Nak- Nakamura's retaliatory strike. So it was kind of a good strategy. Like, he slaps him so hard that he pisses him off. Nakamura tries to retaliate, but Naito outsmarts him. He catches the strike and cradles him with a hammerlock pin, and there's a big kick out. And I I've never, I think he was going to go for the, I think, Gloria, which is like kind of this, you know, hammerlock kind of backdrop driver kind of thing. But I guess he didn't get him all the way up, so he just went for this uh, nice save, though. Looked like a beautiful yeah. kind of pinning attempt by him. Um, where am I here? Uh, Naito goes for a rolling cradle. One, two. So this is the point where I feel like they're doing the uh, the kind of fish-out-of-water spot that's you know famous from, say, like Yoshihiro Tajiri and Super Crazy and ECW from, from Jerry Lynn and the RVD matches where they just, like, Cradle kick out, cradle kick out, cradle kick out, cradle kick out, which is really kind of a different tack than what you would see in a lot of big New Japan matches where it's like big move, kick out, big move, kick out, big move, kick out. So really showing like kind of the intelligence and like how good of a technical wrestler that Naito is at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm biting at this time and I I deliberately didn't. uh, I mean, it's our gimmick from the show. I didn't read ahead. But no, I, I wasn't aware who the winner was going into this match as well, which made me enjoy it all the more because I was biting on all these falls. And you said um, the the like the hammerlock roll-up thing, you think he was going for another move and just uh, transitioned into this. Um, I completely bit on that because it. my problem is with so many roll-up pins is I, I never buy it. I'm never like, I don't see how you can be surprised for three seconds to be pinned. Um, but some of these I could, I could believe that like roll up that, oh, this could be it. It could end out of nowhere like this. Well, it's like, you know, he's got that hammer lock on. So it's like. Completely. Kind of, so it's like, oh, it's an extra like, you know, leverage on, on the dude. So like maybe he can't kick out of using, you know, being having hammer lock used on him. Exactly. So, but yeah, I, I do think he was going for one of his big impact moves, but just couldn't get uh, Nakamura up. Um, Naito hits the ropes for another flying tackle or even a forearm attempt, but uh, Nakamura is able to hit him with a beautiful looking Busaiku knee to the face. At least that's from the camera angle. The camera angle is behind Nakamura, so you can't see the impact of whatever hit Naito in the face. I'm going to assume it's like the Busaiku knee that like, you know, Daniel Bryan sometimes uses that he stole along with a lot of other moves that he stole from Kenta. 
Uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing a lot of that this coming G1, a lot of Busaiku news. Uh, yeah. Nakamura uh, hits a modified Yushigoroshi, which is a signature move of Hiroki Goto, for a two and a half count. Uh, and then why don't we go to uh, you know to the next part, Davy? Take take us out with what happens next. Um, I might not have as detailed notes as you. Um, I've got oh, there's one of these uh, roll up pins was. Uh, Nakamura on Naito and I don't think I've seen this before Naito actually tried to kick out at one but couldn't get his shoulders up he like swung his legs as you're used to seeing on a kick out but didn't quite have the energy to kick out at one but didn't manage to kick out at two um, and then I've just got uh, Nakamura hits the Bumaye for the win yeah that's pretty much yeah yeah and then yeah it's a great match I felt uh I thought they built up really nice to the Bomaye, and I'm glad that you know they, he didn't hit it earlier in the match, like to the face. He hit him in the back of the head with the Bomaye, but that yeah. does, that's not his finisher. So he hit him with the in the face, and he protects that finisher. And like rightfully so, I, th- I think it's one of the most effective moves in in modern New Japan history. Um, so and Naito was not ready at this point to get to that next level, and this was actually uh, Nakamura's first. G1 uh, win. He, he'd been to the finals, I believe, before, but this is the first time he actually won the G1. And this is actually the only time, believe it or not, this is the only time he's ever won the G1 Climax, Davey. Wow. And so we're at a match time of 20 minutes and 19 seconds. And I, I'll say this, that it didn't feel like it. It felt a lot like a lot shorter. I think the yeah, this match, of the match flew by. Yeah, absolutely flew by. Um I thought it was a fantastic match. I really enjoyed watching it. I I really enjoyed seeing where both these guys are in their careers at this point because I feel both of them are are yet to step it up to the next gear yet. Um there's they're both obviously fantastic wrestlers, but uh Naito especially doesn't have a whole lot of character here and Nakamura is about to get so much more personality as well. Um so yeah, it was it was interesting watching these guys just just before they become kind of the mega stars I know them as. Um, I would have liked to have seen Nakamura maybe work the like sell the leg a bit more um, because that especially early on in the match I felt Naito was working on that a lot and there wasn't quite as much selling that maybe it's it's damaged his leg for the Bumaye. Um, which obviously he eventually wins the match with. I'd have liked to have seen maybe, uh, maybe like his leg give out a bit earlier in the match to really sell that his main weapon could have been taken out. No, I can see that point because like it's something that you know I, I you and I have both made note of that like he's really attacking the knee with all the like the drop kicks, the, the seated drop kick, the missile drop kick to the knee. So you would think that you know, he's selling it at that point, but I mean I I always figure okay it's adrenaline. They're just like they want to win the match and like they're sure. riled up and so I know where you're coming from and I would actually agree with you but I, I I'm not like someone's gonna be picky about a point like that especially in like you see tons of wrestling matches where people just overcome like you know damage to a, a limb that's being worked over for like five minutes in a match and then it's adrenaline okay I, I've seen it in MMA you know in real fights so I can, oh, I, can I, I can buy that I just think before the kind of hulk up moment you need to just have 
one spot where you're you're selling how damaged your leg is before firing up and letting adrenaline take you through. Because um, I, I just feel it was like a big story of the match that then ended up kind of being ignored towards the end. Yeah, so yeah, I, I can agree. I I think we'll see, you know, maybe Nakamura have different kinds of performances like later on in his New Japan career. Um, one particular uh, interesting note that I made is that, you know, after the match, Naito is helped to the back by one of the young lions. And did you recognize this particular li- young lion who's helping Tetsuya Naito to the back after his match with Nakamura? I did not. Who was it? It's uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, so you would not recognize him. I was like, I saw, okay, there's one young lion left at the end of, at, at, at ringside during this match. And I'm like thinking, who is it? Okay, who is it? I'm thinking, it's either Yohei Komatsu, Yo, from Roppongi 3K, or it's, it's, uh, it's Hiromu. And I look and I'm like, it's Hiromu. So it, this is like his young lion day. So he doesn't have long hair. It's not colored. It's just short black hair. And he's like very, you know, boring you know because that's what a young lion is supposed to be you know so it's a really interesting like snapshot of who was a young lion back then and it it really plays into this like you know kind of story that you know like Hiromu was always shep like groomed by Naito as a young lion so it's not that surprising when he eventually joined Los Ingramanabalas de Japon and sure and was so and is so closely associated with Naito to this day. Uh, following that, we see the award ceremony, uh, a big interview. The the main thrust of the interview is like like Nakamura is talking about his love for wrestling and how much he loves wrestling. I think kind of I th- and I think don't quote me on this, but my my very bad Japanese kind of gives me the sense that he's saying like he's found his passion for wrestling now and that wrestling is number one in his heart and then he's going to be, you know, he's going to give wrestling all his effort and, and things to that nature. Um, you know, like it, what did you think about the award ceremony? Because he gets a lot of fucking awards in this thing. <laughs> it was very extravagant, extravagant. Like he's got all the big flowers. He's got the trophy. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was as if he just won a beauty pageant or something. And and, and the and the young ladies in the weird costumes giving him fl- flowers and stuff. Yeah, I just I just take it down to this is this is what happens in everything in Japan. Like everything, you just get huge flowers. Well done. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we don't get that now. In recent years, in the G one, we we get like the flag and we get the G one trophy, but we don't get the. I kind of miss the, you know, five or 10 million yen check that, you know, that looks like, <laughs> that's like, you know, huge. It looks like, you know, it could be like a, a the size of a futon. Yeah. Know? But like, I'm hoping that makes its comeback one of these days, Davey. I, I really do. Um, yeah. So I love this match. It's it's actually one of my top five Shinsuke Nakamura matches of all time. Uh, I thought I, I was kind of up and down about Shinsuke from his debut up to, like, 2010. And it, it's at this point that I really turned the corner on him. This match in particular, like, that, okay, I am firmly on board with Shinsuke Nakamura. And I always thought that he should have gotten a really, like, long reign with the IWGP heavyweight title. And, you know, on that note, I should say that, like, Nakamura gets a title shot, not at not at Wrestle Kingdom, but he would get a shot at uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi's IWGP title on September 19th 
2011 at Kobe World Hall. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, Tanahashi would be able to uh, hold back the challenge of Nakamura and retain his title. So it's, it wouldn't be uh, for a while that he that Nakamura is actually able to make a big mark with a title, but not the IWGP heavyweight title, but with the IWGP intercontinental title. And were you were you following Nakamura's like reign with the IC title when he got it? So not fully, but that's when I first started watching because I saw the uh, the IC title match against um, Kota Ibushi, and I know that was a big thing they were they were building up in that match. Is uh, Nakamura is this title? Like this is he's the most closely associated with the title. You think of that IC belt, you think of him, and no one's taking it off of him. So that was pretty much when I started watching New Japan. Yeah, it, it's something that even to this day, even though he's not in the company anymore, I, I really feel that that title is synonymous with him. And I always feel like, okay, if you put it on Kota Ibushi, you should give him a similar push with that belt. If Yeah, I was so surprised when I heard he dropped it, especially when Naito doesn't, I don't feel he needs that title. And he doesn't, like, it's part of his gimmick that he doesn't even want the title. So I was very surprised when I heard uh, Bushi drop that. Well, he's kind of changed his mind about the IC title, Naito that is. And I, I, th- I think my theory is that like he's going to go into Wrestle Kingdom as the IC champion. And he's, I think he's going to win the G1 in 2019. That's what I think, yeah. And I think he's going to Wrestle Kingdom to face Okada. Because I think that's the story with him. You, you have to have that moment with naito and like well it's not been finished yet has it that story's been going on for like three four years pretty much of him not being able to get the title at the tokyo dome and there was there wasn't it he was um his first title shot wasn't even in the main event at the tokyo dome was it it was i think the ic headlined one year yeah and... because because of the fan pulling they there was like there was actually like this like this like backlash against the idea of naito being in the, like being in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. Funny enough, that's crazy. And this is, of course, like he's still Stardust Genius, which was a gimmick that like would only take him so far. Like the fans weren't biting on this. It's not until Lij Naito comes along and really is you know catapulted into the main event picture because of this character that like you know that he became, not what he was before. Um, I, I think the idea is that I, I think Naito could be the champion and go into Wrestle Kingdom and Knight and Okada. That's what I thought was going to happen last year, that Naito would win the title and that Okada would challenge him. But the, the story isn't that like Naito has to win the title at Wrestle Kingdom. The story is that Naito has to beat Okada at, right. at Wrestle Kingdom. He could do it as the champion or he could do it as the challenger. They're going for the challenger idea, which I... I assume that New Japan think that's where that's more of a drawing power rather than him defending a title against Okada is him challenging Okada for the title. So we'll see. I, I just don't know who necessarily is going to be in the finals this year. I think Naito is. And then, well, I've got, I've got two theories. I, I think I was trying to do uh John Way's prediction thing yesterday. It's really hard. Um, but I, I can see it either being uh, Tanahashi or Osprey. Uh, Tanahashi, because I think he's got to kind of beat the guy to beat the other guy, if you know what I mean. It's it's a good stepping stone. 
however, Osprey's been talking a lot about uh, wanting to be the first person to headline the Tokyo Dome with, as the junior heavyweight champion. So I don't think he would win, but I think for a, for a final and being able to buy both sides winning, I think that's a good story you can push with him. Is He wants to represent the junior heavyweight division, but going against Okada. So, um, so my theory is that you know January 4th will be headlined by Naito and Okada, and I think January 5th uh, will be headlined by Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi coming back. That's my guess, my theory. Yeah, because um, they're I, splitting it this year, aren't they? Yeah, I, and I can see that you know the return of Hiromu challenging for that belt against Will Ospreay. I think he, his absence has made him more popular. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, I can see that, and Will Osprey is like, you know, in the top three, four, you know, stars in the company. Like, so I can easily see him headlining the the dome, and I can see like a lot of the the foreign contingent of fans being excited to see that particular match. So that's my theory. Naito Okada night one, Osprey Hiromu night two. But you're gonna have to load both shows with like a lot of like you know, semi-main events. Like, it's got to be those two main events plus, like, two or three match hot matches underneath, directly underneath those, and then it doesn't matter what the rest of the undercard looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that, that brings us to the end of the, the G1 part of the show. Davey, we're now at the, the trivia part of the show, and I've tailored the trivia for you because I, I looked up you know, the, the number one song, album, and movie in the UK from 2011. Oh, okay. So you were, um, you were still in the UK, right? I was, yeah. Uh, 2011, I was probably UK or Germany, traveling around there maybe, but definitely in Europe. <laughs> okay, well, 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 let's see how well you do. So in August of 2011, what is the number one song on the UK uh, podcast? Uh. 2011. I'd have just finished drama school then. Um, what was big? Is it Rihanna? I feel like she was doing a lot around that then. No, uh, it's not Rihanna. It's it's an artist I've never heard of. It's a it's a female artist. Uh, okay. I, I but I have no idea who she is. Female artist, you have no idea. Uh, Lord? No. No, I'm I'm tapping out. Okay, uh, the song is called Swagger Jagger. Oh, is this um, Jesse J? Uh, no, it's Cher Lloyd. Cher Lloyd, right, yes. So she was in um, X Factor UK. Um, she was like 16 and came on with all this swag and kind of did this like rap. Uh, and she got mentored by... Uh, Cheryl Cole. Are you aware who Cheryl Cole is? That name sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm... So, she's in a girl group called Girls Aloud, which won one of these reality TV show things. And they they were pretty popular. They were like the the Spice Girls of the 2000s in the UK. They they had some really good songs. Um, And she then married a football player called Ashley Cole, who then cheated on her, and the the whole nation was behind Cheryl. Uh, but yeah, she mentored this girl, Cher Lloyd, and she she was pretty popular for a little bit. 
Okay. But no, I'd have never have guessed that as number one. All right. How about, how about the number one album in August of 2011? You might be able to get this. This artist is very, very famous across the world. She is from the UK, though. Adele. Not Adele. Oh. Um... Oh. Would it have been... Uh, Amy Winehouse died around this time. Yes. So was it Amy Winehouse? It's Amy Winehouse. What's the name of the album? Uh, I assume Back to Black? It is Back to Black, yes. Uh, and finally, what's the number one movie at the box office in the UK at this time? Summer 2011. Would it have been a Marvel movie? It's not a Marvel movie. It is a, a franchise movie, though. It's the the first part of a, of a trilogy. That's one of Oh, no, that... It's, a, it's kind of a prequel to... Uh, the Hobbit? It's kind of a prequel to uh, a series of movies in the 70s. It, no, yeah. there was no Star Wars then. Um... It, one of the stars of The Hobbit is the star of this movie. Okay. Um... He's, he's really famous for doing motion capture work. Oh, Andy Serkis. So, oh, is this... Ah, uh, I've got it. This is the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Uh, Rise of the Planet. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, so... Yeah. They're I, good films. They are. I, They're I really, really good films. I, I think the set... Like, usually in a trilogy, I feel the second movie is always the best of, of them all. And th- that's definitely true for, for the Planet of the Apes ones. I think I think that's... Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then the third one is War for the Planet of the Apes. I've not seen the third one yet. It's good. It's really it's good. good. But I think the second one is the best in the series, just for my for my own taste. I thought it's that's... very it's very character driven. The second one, like this, that's the one with like uh, is it Kobu or something like the evil uh, gorilla? Yeah, and yeah, it's it's good. I really like those films. Yeah, I definitely I'm, recommend. I'm off to see. Uh, Toy Story Four today. Yeah, I, which... I, I'm not a big Toy Story person. I've I've actually oh. never seen a, a Toy Story in its entirety. Oh, you've got to. I I've just rewatched the trilogy with my girlfriend because she never saw the third one, and I think the third one's one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's beautiful, and if this fourth one is as good as like critics are saying it is, could I I feel this could be the best movie series ever made because it doesn't have a dud where usually usually you see especially once you get into the fourth movie territory normally at least one of those films stinks um well so I, I, i'm so excited to see this you know just as an outside viewer i always feel like there's a big gap between the toy story movies so they're putting a lot of thought into like the writing of these movies and like how you know how they're going to you know, do the production of them. Obviously, they're, it's Pixar, so it's all, like, you know, computer-generated. But, you know, I think they really take a lot of care into, you know, the pre-production, the production, and, and definitely the acting. The voice acting is on a different level with Tom Hanks sure. and, and um, Tim Allen, right? Is, uh, yeah. Buzz, Buzz Lightyear, yes. So, yeah, I, and I think for me, like, the, the first one came out in 95, so I was a kid. Uh, the second one came out when I started to go to the movies on my own with friends. And the third one's all about like Andy's grown up and leaving his childhood behind and moving on from the toys. And that came out pretty much as I finished school and went into 
uh, university. So I was at that point in my life then as well. So it's been really clever to kind of grow up with its audience. You know, I'm going to give you a little uh, trivia about Japan here, David, that most Disney movies uh, outside of Tokyo are impossible to find with, with uh, English uh, with English audio and Japanese subtitles. Most of the Pixar and other Disney movies are all dubbed into Japanese. Oh, and that's a shame. You can find these movies like in, in, with with the with, with the original English like uh, audio and Japanese subtitles, but <laughs> only if you go to Tokyo, which is a real pain in the ass for me to do Damn. sometimes. So I I have yet. To see into the Spider Verse on the big screen. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I I was gonna go just watch it. No, actually, I saw it on the big screen in Japanese because I'd right. seen it. I seen it. I was able to get a copy of it with the English, and I watched it that way. And thought, okay, I have to see this big screen. I don't care if they're just speaking Japanese. And so I did it. And I was like, yep, that was worth it. I knew what was going on, so it was okay. But, yeah, uh, to be honest, I think I'd enjoy that sh- that film even if I didn't understand a word. It's so beautiful to look at. Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's let's finish up with the wrestling por- portion of the trivia. Uh, okay. All right, Davey. In August of 2011, who is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion? And I will give you a clue. It is someone we have mentioned already. Oh, God. Um... Someone we've mentioned already. Uh, Takahashi? No. No. Um, we haven't mentioned Bala, so not him. Uh, he's a heavyweight now. He's a heavyweight now. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, Kota Ibushi. Oh, okay. Okay, let, let's move to All Japan. I, I'm not... Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not sure how familiar you are with All Japan in 2011. Uh, would you have any idea who the Triple Crown champion is at, at this time? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. it's, it's, a, it's a wrestler by the name of Suwama, who's kind of like the All Japan's version of Tanahashi. Not, okay. not in the way he looks, but like what he means to the company. You know what I mean? Like his, for sure. He's he was the ace of all Japan for a long time. Right. Uh, let's move to uh, America. Uh, who is the FCW Florida heavyweight champion? Florida ch- heavyweight champion in two thousand and eleven. Uh, is he with the company now? He's with the company now, though you'd probably be hard pressed to find him on TV. Oh, okay. Uh... You see his brother a lot on on TV these days. Oh, okay. Is it Bo Dallas? It's Bo Dallas, yes. Uh, Right. I think he's still billed as Bo Rotundo at this time because his father is, of course, Mike Rotundo. Um, And finally, last question. Who is the WWE World Heavyweight Champion? Not the WWE Champion, but the World Heavyweight Champion. Okay, so 2011... That would have been the WrestleMania headlined by Miz and Cena, I believe, which Miz retained. But that was for the WWE Championship. That's right. 
And I think Edge retained against Del Rio in the opener, but then retired the next night. So we're looking at that title. Um, oh, so is this around like when like Mark Henry, Big Show, and Daniel Bryan were flopping this around? Or you're, it's just you're you're on the right track with Edge retiring, having to retire. Oh, so it'd be Christian. Yes, it's Christian. Christian, Christian. Randy Orton around that time. Yes, it's Christian. Yes, it's Christian. So, uh, good work on the trivia there. Uh, and that wraps up this edition of Cruel Summer. Davey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we were successful in having a good rapport on this episode. Uh, before Absolutely. we leave, before we leave, I want you to plug as many things as you can uh, on the uh, at the end of the show. Yes. Um, so if anyone is coming to Toronto for the SummerSlam weekend, uh, Braden and I from Up Next, we are hosting a tailgate party at uh, Wide Open uh, on Spadina in Richmond. It's uh, a pretty short walk away from the arena. Um, tickets are seven fifty. Uh, it'll be four hours of very cheap drinks, getting to meet listeners, uh, getting to just hang out. We'll be doing some Mario Kart tournament. We'll be doing a Q&A and a live watch along of Gargano versus Almas and Chill. So you can pick up tickets at postwrestling.com forward slash NXT tailgate. Uh, it's selling very well. So if you want to come, I'd recommend getting your tickets as soon as possible. Um, and also you can go on our, uh, pro wrestling tees, uh, store, which is pro wrestling forward slash up next. We have a load of different t-shirts on there. We've just released a, uh, we, the North BDE championship shirt for the, for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, that is on there. Uh, you can catch our podcast every Thursday where we cover NXT. Um, and we'll, we do the odd movie review as well. So, um, we're releasing a, a review for Logan, which, well, this that'll be out by the time this show is up. So check out our Logan review. Check out the show we did, WH, which was The Raid Redemption. Um, they're all on the website, uh, postwrestling.com. And, yeah, follow us uh, up next. Subscribe to our channel. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman. Yeah. Uh, I think that's enough plugs. <laughs> I, I do hope this is released before the tailgate happens but if it's not y'all lucked out sorry i i'm 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 probably be there i'll probably make an appearance i'm I'm hoping to clear my schedule enough to be able to stop by i don't have to worry about buying a ticket because despite what your roommate says about me paying 27 dollars you you were kind enough to say i'm on the vip list thank you oh you're vip baby thank you so (laughs) much i know a lot of your listeners are dying to meet me. Definitely Scrump. Apparently wants to meet me really badly. You know, uh, maybe Jesse from the Six. I definitely know Brandon from New Jersey. He wants to meet me. I think I'm going to give him the cold shoulder the whole weekend, though. That's kind of going to be my gimmick. Well, my I was angle mad I didn't meet him in New York at John and Way show. He was so, uh, yeah, so under the radar, keeping himself all, all recluse. And we didn't realize till after that that was him. So... Yeah, he said he's showing up, so this time he he can't be hiding. Well, well, well. I think we, I think if you go on his Instagram, you can see what he looks like, so you can easily 
spot okay. and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, thanks again, Davey, for showing uh, showing up on this show. Uh, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in uh, and sticking with us to the end of the show. Thank you for all the feedback I've been getting. And I'll see everyone on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>